You're listening to the All In Podcast with your hosts, Shane and Blake, giving you a new perspective on the dental industry. Are you ready to go all in? Let's do this. Let's do this. Let's do this. Welcome to the All In Podcast. We give you a different perspective on the dental industry. Today, I have myself, Blake McClellan, and unfortunately, no co-host. Shane McElroy is uh, playing golf, I think, to be honest with you, but he says he's doing something important. And uh, I have a really exciting guest to announce today that I met through friends and Instagram first, and then we had him out at uh, our DIA conference last year. He'll be there this year. And uh, he's become a good friend over the years. So uh, I want to introduce Dr. Ryan Nolan. Hey, man. How's it going? Good, good. How are you? Doing good. Doing good. How are things? Uh, let, let us first tell us where you're at right now. So I am in Provo, Utah right now. So that's our home base of operations for Elementa HQ. Um, and yeah, that's, that's where I'm at. How long have you been out in Utah? So I moved to Utah in, I want to say it was June of 2017. So I've been here for almost, it'll be, it'll be three years this next summer. So yeah, I've been here a little while. And how long has Elementa been started? How long has it been in operations? So the R&D that went into Elementa took a while. But I want to say that we launched our first product in 2018. Um, so there was a lot of lead up work for some of the R&D. Um, but yeah, so officially, I want to say we've been on the market for about a year now. Okay. And now how, if you will, take the, the listeners through like a high level of your background, because this is sure. really neat uh, how you ended up, you know, in dentistry from where you were <laughs> but a few years ago. So kind of give a high level, take us from the start, and then sure. how, how you ended up in, uh, in Provo, Utah. So um, I actually graduated from U of I in 2010. So I, I went to U of I, Chicago. And around 2008, I actually, uh, our family kind of got hit with this. Uh, obviously, 2008 was really, really bad times for everyone, right? Like especially in the United States, but worldwide as well. Uh, my dad used to work for General Motors, and my dad's actually a chemical engineer, um, really smart guy. But when everything kind of went bad, obviously he worked for the company that went bankrupt, right, which is no good. Um, so he kind of, I was in the middle of getting my chemistry degree in 2008, and he basically told me, hey, Ryan, I know you want to be a chemical engineer. I had taken, I would say... I mean, outside of two classes, all the prereqs for getting a chemical engineering degree, because that's what I wanted to do. And he goes, Ryan, there's no jobs. Like, we just fired all our chemical engineers. Like, there's no jobs. If you want to be a chemical engineer, um, you know, petroleum isn't hiring. They're not hiring, whatever. So it it really came down to uh, you got to make a better decision, right? So um, just because of the way the economy was, and it just wasn't going to, it wasn't going to work out. so anyways, uh, fast forward to 2010, I opted to get my chemistry degree instead of um, pursuing the chemical engineering degree, even though I'd done all that extra work. <laughs> and I, uh, I looked into a couple of different subjects that I was interested in. Specifically, I was looking at dentistry, optometry, medicine, things like that. And uh, I got to shout on my dentist and I really liked the idea of working with my hands. And I'd always been that kid that used to make Legos and, uh, make all these models used to make all these model planes and rockets. Like I was really fascinated by, um, aerospace and, uh, outer space and all that thing, all that kind of good stuff. 
Um, but uh, I was like, you know what? I think I could do this. So I applied to dental school literally at the deadline. I applied to three dental schools, um, didn't get into two, got into Midwestern. They, they really liked me. So um, I kind of changed courses. So I, I went from being basically in a mindset of, hey, let's do engineering to let's do dentistry. Um, but I still had that, I still had that, you know, background, took a bunch of math and science. Um, and, you know, as I got through, um, dental school, uh, I met my original partner there. So his name is Matt Collister, brilliant, brilliant dude. Um, and basically as time went on, what him and I started to realize, um, we had a lot of conversations during dental school was a lot of the stuff that dentistry uses is really antiquated. Um, and you know, it, it ended up being a conversation after conversation Then we kind of really got interested in looking at different applications of nanotechnology. I kind of skipped this a little bit, but, um, I used to work on carbon nanotube applications at U of I. Um, I had a research project there where we we're looking at different, um, potential applications for, um, thermal distribution on and, and electron distributions for, carbon nanotubes, which sounds really fancy, but it's, um, it's, it's one of those things where basically it, it involved a lot of, um, playing a lot of, around with a lot of programming and variables. So anyways, Matt knew that he knew I had that background in nanotech. And so he said, Hey, you know, check, check, take a look at these silver nanoparticles. These things are showing some of the best results against various kinds of disease pathways and, um, periodontitis and everything from bacteria to all these biofilm things. So anyways, um, we ended up talking about it a lot. And then after school, we kept talking. Um, and then we ended up doing a pilot trial, um, actually on some silver nanoparticles to prove a concept. We didn't know if it was going to work or not. It, it, um, exceeded our expectations. Let's put it that way. We actually published that, uh, last year. So, um, we ended up working on silver nanoparticles and believe it or not, the biggest challenge for making this work was actually getting the nanoparticles to be stable in the oral environment. So uh, even though silver nanotechnology has a long history, um, there's different gradations and different types. And, and so even though we had tried a bunch of these different types from different manufacturers, um, they weren't working for applications specifically because um, the oral environment is um, very ion heavy, so it's um, got a high ionic strength, which just basically means it's really salty. Um, and there's a lot of different things going on in saliva that were going to make the application kind of difficult. So we ended up going to the drawing board, and I used my background in chemistry, and um, we were able to figure out a method um, that I guess nobody had figured out before, which was awesome. So um, we're we're on our second patent now. Um, and let and me, let me stop you there real quick. Go ahead. You, you, you know, we just truncated years and years of heartache and pain and research into a, a few minutes. <laughs> kind of take, take us through what it's like, you know, I know what it's like for product discovery and creating a product around marketing and branding and what the market's looking for. Right. But what's it like when you're trying to solve a problem that no one's really looking to solve in a sense, right? Like no one's actively saying we need to change the current pathway of, of right. oral hygiene. What makes, what inspires you and what keeps you motivated in that, in that uh, research lab when you're doing all that? 
you know, I'll be honest, it was really frustrating at the beginning because um, the application was going to require that it be stable in all these various environments. And, and it, it's true that nothing like this was ever engineered before. Um, the problem is, believe it or not, a long, a long, I didn't realize until after it was a long seated problem. Like nobody was able to solve it. Um, and I would get into the lab and I, I'd put out a hundred samples or something ridiculous like that, looking for changes in stability. And I can't tell you how many times I came in and they were all failures, like hundreds every single time, failure, 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 failure. And that gets really frustrating. And it's, it's really, um, emotionally challenging because you start to wonder whether or not you're up to the task, right? Um, brilliant or not, you know, if you're, if you're, you know, you got your investors behind you, you have a bunch of people who believe in you and every day you're going in and you're just seeing failure after failure. Right. So it took years basically to get this to where it, it needed to go. And finally one day, um, I actually got into the lab and I had 99 failures and one success. And I go, no way. You know, I'm sitting there thinking, no, that didn't happen. That's got to be a fluke. Maybe I forgot to add this or that, you know? And then I did it again and again and again and again. And then I was like, all right, this actually works. I send it to the lab. Um, so third-party lab. And, and uh, they were completely awestruck. They were shocked that I had figured it out. Um, and to this day, they're still like, yeah, we don't know how you figured that out. But, you know, that's been a longstanding problem in terms of chemistry as far as this, you know, application goes. And so we were able to make our product. But I think what, what really keeps me going is that I have a really amazing team. Um, I have people who really believe in it. Um, and frankly too, you know, my family, um, my brother is a partner in the business as well. He's a pharmacist. Um, and then I also have my wife who, you know, has believed in it from the beginning and that emotional support goes a really, really long way. Um, because, you know, I, I'm not the most self-confident person. I'm not going to lie to you, but when you have people who are just sitting there cheering you on every single day it makes it a little easier to, you know, choke on those failures, I guess. Um, and finally, when we did get it, it was uh, kind of like a eureka moment, right? But it's 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 definitely any entrepreneur knows that it's it, it can be the best thing that ever happens to you, but it can also be a lot of lonely days, right? Where you feel like, am I going to be able to make this work? And that's the real challenge, you know? I can't agree more with the emotional support of it because – I think often too, it's a burden, right? right? At those times where you're just like, I want to be selfish and quit. I want to take right. a break. I want to tap out. I, you know, like this is just too overwhelming. Right. Though those people relying on you and that blind faith in you, if you will, yep. is is so important that you're just like, I can't let them down. Right. So you kind of forget about yourself and then fixate more on those around you. And I, that does, I mean, it helps me. And there's so many times where I'm just tired of the fight. You know, it's just exhausting to be disruptive. Oh, absolutely. And there's a million warning signs saying, don't take this road. You shouldn't take this road. <laughs> you see the potholes. You see like it's going to run right. out and, and you're still in good conscience going ahead, right? So, yeah. no, that means a lot. And, and well, let me ask you this. So when you did hit that aha moment and you realized that, hey, we're on to something here, what was that celebration like? You know what? Oh, it was great. But, you know, <laughs> you know the, thing, the thing is, is even though we had figured out how to make it, you still have to test all the parameters. So it was great, but it was also a bit scary, right? Because then it's like, okay, well, I need this to pass this test and I need this to pass this test. And 
And it's one of those things too, where you're, you're sitting waiting for the third, third party evaluation, either from a lab or a university to tell you, Hey, you know, you get to move one step forward or, Hey, you're like, your dream is crushed because this isn't going to work for this application. Right. So it wasn't, it wasn't as simple as just being able to celebrate right then and there. It kind of made it even scarier because then it's like, okay, well, even though this was the biggest hurdle, I still have so, so far to go, you know? Um, but it was, it was really good. I mean, our team was really, really excited. Um, and you know, like, like a lot of people give me, I feel like too much credit. Um, I, I'm kind of the face, I guess, of, of, you know, the nanotechnology dental kind of world right now, I guess. I don't know if that's arrogant to say, but like, I'm doing a lot of development in that space. Um, and a lot of my partners who also worked on these applications with me, um, you know, they don't, they don't get as much credit as they deserve, um, because they're just not out there, you know, on their Instagrams or Facebooks. Um, they're not as well known, but it's, it's one of those things that this is extremely a team effort. If you think that I just woke up one day and did this all by myself, um, you, you know, you're kidding yourself. Like you have to have a team. That's to. a good point. You know, actually, my business partner, Zach, our CTO, he's really the brainchild of the tech side of everything. And I, I joke all the time because I'm the one that's going and lecturing on stage or in this article or on that podcast, where it may be, right? Promoting the brand and doing the right. brand awareness stuff. And so it's often that it's just me. And I, I, I text him, I'm like, man, I'm sorry, dude. I wish you were here for this. He's like, no, man, it's good. I, I really like being the bass player. Right. And that's kind of what you need. Every band needs a bass player who doesn't need to be the lead singer, doesn't need right. to be the lead guitarist, just back there keeping the beat. Yeah. So that way this thing can be implemented. And it's uh, it does. It takes a team for any type of, of company, project, or even as something as small as a course. you got to have a team. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I can't tell you many times I was on the phone with Craig, who's uh, Matt's brother, or, or Mike, um, <laughs> uh, you know, talking to them for three hours, just using them as a backboard um, for some of these ideas and just saying, hey, I mean, what do you think about this? And I mean, they don't get the, I mean, even the, the fact, you know, these guys help write all the patents, they help write all the studies um, that, you know, they help the design, like, but you don't, you don't get to see that, you know? So it's like, you know, I feel like a lot of people, you know, they'll, they'll be like, Oh, you know, Ryan, you're a genius, whatever. And it's like, I, I feel kind of crooked. Cause it's like, no dude, like, you know, I'm knowledgeable, but it's, it's the team that, that produced the, produced the outcome. Um, and you know, the leadership, uh, one of the things I appreciate about Matt so much, um, it's just an amazing leader, right? Like he's, He's the kind of guy that makes you want to wake up in the morning and be better. And so I needed someone like that. Um, in fact, he came to me in dental school. Uh, I was ready to give up on some of my ideas. He came and sat down to me one day in lecture and he sees me scribbling in my notebook and I'm obviously not paying attention to practice management or whatever class we were in. And he's like, Hey, like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm just, you know, here's some of my ideas. And, from the start, he just believed in it. And that means more to me than anything else, because, you know, just like, just like with you, you know, it's, um, it's really important that these people believe in you and they're not, they're not going to, you know, compete with you or anything like that, but they're just great partners. And for, for us, we're kind of like, uh, you know, I feel like a strange kind of soulmates in a weird way. He, he just got it right away. And a lot of people just didn't get it. And so that's, it's, it's very, very important, even from an entrepreneurial point of view, but even a personal view that 
people who are around you that you surround yourself with. I want to say, you know, the five, the five people you spend the most time with are, are the most influential on you. Uh, and I spending time with these guys and, and them just believing in me, I think made, made, made the difference to be honest. Um, I don't know if I'd be able to do it had they not been there. So, no, I agree with your point there. I think that, uh, essentially, you know, when you're building a company, the product is such a small part of that. Yeah. And, and, and the alchemy of, uh, talent, leadership, uh, a goal, a, a fan following. I mean, every aspect of it is is part of this recipe to make for a successful company. And so I love the culture that you guys have. We saw it at DIA last year. You know, I thought that was great. And, you know, I think you overall understand the industry. But at that same point, you're doing something very disruptive. You're going after a market that's been commoditized by you know, the Goliaths of industry. Yeah. You know, how do you motivate your troops on a daily basis or how, what, what inspires you to keep fighting that fight, knowing that you're walking into battle with, uh, if you will, 300, right? You're like the, yes. the movie 300, you're going in with a few of very talented, capable people, but you're going right. up into a situation that is already from the start an extremely hard challenge just to no. survive. You're absolutely right. I mean, um, if you look at the, you know, the mouthwash aisle, it's saturated, right? I mean, it's not like it's easy to get into stores. It's not easy to convince people that your ideas are better, even if they are better, right? How many times have you come across technology in the past that was better, but just didn't get implemented because it didn't have the right people in place or didn't have the right connections? So we understand that. And I, I want to say, you know, our team is pretty self-motivated. We have our, our, our head of marketing is Ben Lewis. He's just fantastic. Um, and then we have our head of sales is Cody Thomas. And these guys are just so self-motivated. They've done a lot of different um, projects before. And, and we, we've, we've just been uh, very, very lucky to have them. They, they also came in with a very, very gung-ho attitude. And, and look, we are the underdogs. And I, I want to stress this to people, right? If you really believe in what we're doing, you know, show it with your pocketbook. Like, and I'm not even saying that necessarily in the sense that you have to buy our stuff, but I want to, I don't want to necessarily convince people to buy my product. I want them, I want to convince them that the technology is better. So I, I want the ideology to be like embrace nanotechnology. It's, it's going to offer us so much more um, in the long run than some of these other products. So, for example, right, there's a lot of there's a lot of big companies, Listerine, Colgate, Crest, right, that we're going up against. Just just to be in that space is intimidating. But um, I will say this. I mean, if you look at like a lot of formulations, um, a lot of these things, it's like how many times would you see a Ford from 1900 on the road? Right. Never. OK. Maybe there's a couple. But, uh, you know a lot of these formulations that exist that we're currently using are over a hundred years old. And, and so they haven't adapted to the times they haven't changed anything or barely changed anything. And new science exists, right? And Do you so, think that's because of them just the market, not demanding it? Do you think it's just because the market's acceptance is that that's the superior solution? I think it's partly that, and, and this could be more of an accusation in terms of my two cents than anything else, but I think they have a monopoly on a lot of, um, a, a lot of the, the distribution, but I also think, um, you know, it's hard because people don't understand why certain technology is better 
And so there is an education piece to that. And so it becomes difficult to get people away from their burning alcoholic mouthwash. But what people don't understand is that that same alcoholic mouthwash is actually not doing anything for you. Right. And so it's like in order to kill bacteria, the bad bacteria, alcohol actually has to be a uh, 70%. So when you get these mouthwashes that are 20, 30%, I mean, you're just burning yourself for no reason. And then, and then even, even uh, to get into like pH and stuff like that. I mean, a lot of these mouthwashes are just so acidic. And so they're dissolving your teeth. Um, and so the, the credentialing, in my opinion, even though some of these brands do have studies, um, I feel like a lot of their stuff is very antiquated and it doesn't take into account a lot of this discoveries that we've made in the past 20, 30 years, even, um, uh, you know, to that point though, it's when you're going up against millions and millions of dollars of marketing, mm-hmm. uh, a demographic that has no understanding of what the value proposition of the mouthwash is really necessarily outside of what we've just been told to think, right? What it's supposed to right. be, what's supposed to, the experience supposed to be like. So when you're creating these strategies for your company and being completely black to their white, you know, you're not gray at all, right? You're really saying like there's a huge problem that we're not even aware of. Where do you start? I mean, obviously education is the driver in the medical dental field. Right. I mean, that's how every company launches its product necessarily. But when you're going after patients, you know, how do you, how do you do that? Because like, I understand Smile Direct Club's approach because it was addressing uh, the lack uh, or the fear of uh, the dentist and lack of resources to drive and go out and go to an appointment. So they tapped into a, a convenience factor, right? right? So that was a really easy sell for them. Is It wasn't, they didn't sell on science or technology at all because they didn't want to. They were really selling on, hey, we'll just make it easy for you like a gas station is versus a grocery right. store. Totally. So when you're, with your product being that it's, it's more about the technology and the understanding and really you've got to have at least a, a little bit of some collegiate <laughs> experience right. in order to understand the value <laughs> and what, you know, some of the verbiage in this on the back of your label. What's that like? I mean, how are you able to educate the patients so that they, they do care? Are you going after clinicians and hoping they educate them? Um, we're doing both. Um, so it's not just a, like a, it's a stratified kind of approach, but um, one of the things that I point out in all my lectures and when I talk to patients um, if the current systems were working, the one in 92% of Americans have decay. Um, that usually shocks people to hear that uh, decay is the most common chronic disease of childhood. And if our current approaches were working, then why the hell does everybody have decay? Why does everybody have gingivitis? Uh, 94% of Americans at some point in their life are going to have gingivitis. I mean, the, the point is, is a lot of these um, processes are still has a lot of these disease processes are still occurring, even though the current market does have uh, potential solutions. But um, I think one of the things that I always talk with patients about is that basically we've engineered a set subset of formulas and, you know, with different simple, clean ingredients that are designed to target some of these problems uh, in a different way. So one of the, the most stark contrast that you can, um, uh, point out between our tech and somebody else's is look at the pH of the product. Um, every, every point that you move down is a 10 times multiplier um, in terms of how much more acidic it is. If you look at a lot of these rinses, there are sub four on the pH scale. Um, and our rinse is 7.8. So 
So it's, it's one of those things that's so easy just to stick a pH strip or whatever in the actual product and be like, why is this one blue green and this one's yellow red, right? Um, and that, that matters to people and people are, you know, the alkaline kind of thing is picking up. Um, some people abuse that science and say, oh, well, you can, you know, do this or that with a supplement, which is not what we're going for. We're, we're, we're using real science. Um, you know, a lot of this stuff has been talked about and, and researched prior to me being around. But I think one of the things that we really try and focus on is the silver. The silver nanotechnology is a, a big component of our, our, of our product lines. And so um, I think people get excited when they see new tech. And I think that that really helps. Um, like even, even it's been in the news a lot recently, there was a, uh, top scientists, top young scientists actually, uh, awarded by 3M recently. I want to say it was last week, um, nano silver bandage application. So, I mean, there's been a lot of, um, really positive news coming out, um, for our case. And so I think as the momentum starts to hit a critical mass, um, the fact that we are first to market is a big deal. Now, we're not the only quote-unquote nanosilver brand, but a lot of these people, um, they, don't have the, they don't have a team of dentists working on it. They, they're not necessarily using legitimate science or they're, they're not using third-generation. We use third-generation uh, nanosilver. Um, but the point is, is um, at the end of the day, being first to market was a big deal in terms of colonizing that space. So when the critical mass does hit, and it will at some point, People are going to be like, hey, you know, these guys are the original guys who came out with it. And that really does help. So even though it is an education piece, um, there are a lot of things that we can talk about, you know, in the tools, in the toolkit. Um, we're working a lot of clinical strategy as well as, uh, you know, just a uh, layperson strategy as well. So, you know, you got to be clever. I mean, I'll tell you what, Ben Lewis, uh, like our like our marketing, uh, head of marketing, is a very smart guy. Uh He's, he's been able to really kind of tailor these strategies and, um, and frankly, it's been very, very successful. So we owe him a lot and, you know, he's, he's a brilliant, brilliant guy. Um, and I think the one thing is, is I think that, uh, I think that basically the challenge is right, is we have less resources than the big guys. So we got to make any kind of strategy that it's got to be cost efficient and it's got to make sense. And so it's a bit of both. And honestly, it's a matter of just like any startup. Uh, it's a matter of trialing the market and seeing what actually works, right? So if we focus on clinicians and clinicians aren't happy or doing this or that, then we've got to focus on lay people or vice versa. And so um, we, we luckily have had a very positive response from clinicians. Um, well, I assume you're not, you don't have a rep model, correct? Uh, or do you? Uh, what is that model? I'm like, like uh, uh, in a sense of, do you have reps that go out in the field oh, every day calling on offices? No, we don't do that. Um, we've considered it a couple of times and it might be something that we do in the future. Um, but I, I, I don't know how scalable that is. And, you know, it takes a lot of resources and a lot of management to do that. Um, well, I brought that up just because of the fact that it seems like most companies now their go to market strategy in the U S isn't reps. starting there, right? right. Well, in, well, in the past it was, it was always reps. And that right. was the only way you could get a product in there is you needed someone to physically press flesh in order to close a deal. And I think nowadays it's just not cost effective. You can't sustain that model right. with the overhead it, it brings in and because you have to then hire management to manage those reps. And so it's just not scalable and you unless you have an extremely high profit product 
that's used in high volumes, like let's say for instance, dental implants, uh, you know, they can justify having three, four, five reps in a city just because the amount of volume that's placed in one city uh, and the amount of uh, profit margin that there is on a titanium screw. But, you know, I I know that's probably another challenge. You have to then tap into online outlets and and other media uh, sources while at the same time, like you said, you've got all the big guys dumping heavy ads into every outlet that there is because they have the marketing budgets. Totally. And, you know, like, like I said, you know, one of the things I appreciate about my team is they're all about being cost effective. And with a startup, you know, we've almost had to rebuild the model of how you approach the market because it is, it is a difficult market to get into. Right. And so you have to be extremely clever and extremely um, willing to adapt very quickly. Um, I'm not to say that we won't ever have reps, but, it's just one of those things, like I said, from from the position that we're in now, it, it's not the right time and it might not ever be the right time, but it's definitely a capital heavy, top line heavy, um, uh, management heavy approach. And so that doesn't always work. And, you know, we don't have millions and millions of dollars to throw around just to try it out. Right. Like what a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, when they see brands, um, we don't, especially new brands, like we don't survive unless people believe in it. Right. And so luckily, luckily we've had a lot of, you know, organic people, like organic, um, you know, shares and people really getting excited about um, the technology. And um, so it makes it easier when people are already like, Hey, you know what? I believe in it. It works. I've tried the product really like it. I like the literature behind it. I like the team. It it gets more people on board that way. Um, but again, too, you know, you can't just rely completely on organic. You have to have a marketing strategy in place. And so it's it's challenging on all corners, right? It's challenging because you're building new technology. It's challenging because you're up against giants. It's challenging because you don't have the resources that some of these companies have. So there's a lot of, um, so there's a lot of like, uh, you know, areas you have to get clever and it's, it's not easy, you know, and every week has a different challenge. I mean, some weeks it's, Hey, you know, um, you know, the, the bottle I got shipped was the wrong bottle or, you know, Hey, I didn't get the right label or, Hey, you know what? We got all the product, but you know, we weren't able to get this, um, this thing on time. And so, I mean, there's always challenges. Um, and so it's, it's just a matter of, uh, I think that the team morale is very, very good. Um, but also I just think we have a lot of really brilliant people and it really, really helps to um, be able to rely on their past experiences and kind of just channel them into, you know, the strategy. Now, what about conferences? I, I know I, you guys are at DIA. We appreciate that. Um, <laughs> big love. Appreciate that. And I, but I saw your team at IDS Germany too. They were, yeah, yeah. Uh, they were in Cologne. So with now that you've had a product for over a year, What's been your feedback on the conferences? Have they been a profitable model to follow? Are you slimming down on some? What do you think? So we target different conferences to go to. Um, I, we don't go to every conference. Um, we went to DIA, we went to Under One Roof. Uh, like you said, we went to IDS. Um, but we try and get conferences that we can get speaker spots at because it just kind of helps. We get more interest that way. But I will say this. Um, the one thing that we do at conferences that... Um, nobody else, at least we found does, we don't sell you anything at the conference. We refuse to be salesmen. I've talked with you about this a couple of times, <laughs> but, uh, one of the problems with under one roof when I went there, right. 
And don't get me wrong, it's a great conference. You go literally, and I'm a, and I'm a dentist, so uh, when I when I get pitched stuff, like I really pay attention to how people are approaching me and what they're saying and things like that. Um, I can't tell you how many people um, were like, all right, uh, and they're showing me their product, and then they're like, all right, how many do you want to buy for your office? And you're just like, okay, well, you know, I'm not interested this time. Oh, come on, you know, you can you can buy this and that, and it's just like you've made me feel uncomfortable. I don't want to buy from you. And now I'm wondering whether or not, like, you know, I even believe in what you're doing. So this whole pitch approach at conferences has got to stop. Um, it doesn't work. It Dentists don't like it. They'll avoid going even, and even hygienists, they'll avoid going by your booth because they think that you're going to try and sell them something and they just don't want to be sold. They're there for the samples. They want to know more about your brand. They want to know your vision. Sell them on the vision. Everything that we we do at conferences is all free. Like we don't we give away all of our product. We want to um, make sure that people um, you know get exposed to the brand and and have a good experience. Um, so you won't see any of us selling anything in a conference. And I think that actually separates us a lot from other people. That makes a very good point. I think that what's happened is dentistry became more. Um, I guess they would. Dentistry is making more savvy business decisions. They're getting more information. They're researching things. They're not just buying it so impulsively like in years past. Right. What I've seen, you know, I've done. I've been doing trade shows for almost ten years now, and I saw it at the heat of the capnography mandate for oral surgery. And I was working in heart monitors, and and you couldn't write down orders fast enough. Right. And then I've seen it where, uh, like I was just at the AAID and I mean, it was a decent meeting, but unless you were the first three booths in the very front of the hall, it's kind of a waste of money or unless right. you had a speaker on the podium. Right. Right. And it's still, it's not a, it's not buying behavior anymore. It's a education and experience. Right. And so I actually liked, uh, there was an implant company called DIO out of, I think Korea that they had, you know, just different technology. They were doing a, um, ultraviolet light treatment to the implant right before you go in and place it. And you know, it was interactive and it was fun. It was vivid. And I think that's where the industry has got to start positioning itself for these to have an ROI. And I also think that the entire concept of the hall needs to be kind of disrupted. It needs to be just like if you go to an auto show or you go to a tech conference, you're seeing the newest, latest, greatest things that the internet doesn't know about yet. And it's, it's, you leave going, that was like going to Six Flags or going to Disney World, right? right. It was like a whole round experience. But with dentistry, it's like, oh, I just feel like I uh, went to see my accountant and I lost a bunch of money. What happened? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, um, I'd say our most successful conference of the year is DIA. Um, but the reason why is because DIA is a different kind of conference. So I kind of like, uh, you know, I read this book called The Night Circus a long time ago. But one of the things that's interesting about the night circus is it's, it's just kind of this magical place that doesn't exist anywhere else. Um, and so that the conference that you guys have set up is very unique in the sense that, um, people are there, they're excited to be there. They're not begrudging the fact that they have to go speak there. Um, people get excited. I mean, it's got like a lot of good hype, but also the ideas behind it, um, are really about, um, motivating clinicians to believe in, what they want to believe in. And so it's gotten a really good following of people that just, they, they get excited and they're there to learn. And, um, there doesn't seem to be a lot of bias. Um, I know that you guys are really picky about 
who gets in, who sponsors the event, who speaks, things like that. And so that gives us a lot more leeway as a startup to um, kind of spread our mission. And, uh, you know, I feel like with a lot of other conferences, it's easy to get drowned out. Um, and so it's, it's not as, uh, it's not as just, you know, not even about ROI, but just about exposure. I feel like the exposure is more valuable than necessarily an immediate sale that you might get. And I get it's different for every company because if you're selling loops or something, that might be a bit different. But, um, I think the thing is, is for us, we found that that works better because it's kind of like an enchanted forest that you don't get it. You don't get, uh, everywhere else. Um, people actually want to go to this event, you know, they get excited to go and um, following on Instagram has been really, really good as far as, you know, I got to meet a lot of these really awesome people and, you know, they get to see what I'm doing and I get to see what they're doing and I'm just as influenced by them as they are by me. And I, I really like that. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I get a lot of calls. I mean, I, I would say 70% or so of the major brands in dentistry have contacted us to be a sponsor this year because we limited how many sponsors we had allowed last year and we made it a very small intimate meeting and it was kind of an invite only as a sponsor. It wasn't, uh, you know, just call us and we'll, we'll take your money. Right. And the reason being is because I empathize with the business side. I've been on that other side of the fence and, you know, I'll say to get a last minute table at any dental conference right now, it's not a challenge. I no. could call for a conference that's happening this weekend and get a table. I get a booth. Right. Whereas with DIA, you know, we were sold out month two into the year, February, I think we were sold out of sponsorship spots. And we held a couple for other sponsors that we knew from last year, we're going to come in late or whatever. When we saved like one or two, oh, we forgot a sponsor kind of <laughs> tables, but it, we, we capped it at 30 and we've got about, I don't know, 40, 50 companies that wanted in and we do it for them as well as we do it for the attendees because I just hate that gimmicky aspect of, right. you know, buy this at the booth. And I tell every company before, and you're not going to sell anything at the booth. You may, I mean, it, it'll happen. It definitely will. I mean, companies sold stuff, but it, it focus on building a network with this event. Right. And I think that there are a few organizations. I've heard good things about um, DEO. I heard that they're doing some good stuff. Uh, it's an entrepreneurs organization. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, you know, I've seen a couple of these like regional meetings that do well, like the Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina, Tennessee, the oral surgery societies that are ran by Hank Holderfield out here. I've been doing them for years and they're great. They're always yeah. at a nice venue. There's always a hundred and some people. They always come by and chat with you at least. And I think that's what most companies are looking for is just a conversation. Right. And so, and I think that's where most dentists are just scared to come by because we've been so pushy. And then at the same sense, you know, most brands are scared to sponsor an event because there's, they, they don't meet anybody. They just want to talk. They don't want to sell anything anymore. Right. So I think the more we talk about it and make awareness around it, the better it'll be. But it definitely needs to change. I, I really hope that DIA can evolve into what Facebook or Oculus conference has been, you know, a, mm-hmm. an honor to attend, not an obligation. Yeah, totally. And I think that's – I honestly think that is what it is. Um, and, you know, if you pick the companies that want to go – then it makes it easier um, for people to know that they're going to get the experience they want. I know companies that have um, that have come to me and they're cranky because they uh, we're this big and we should be there. And then you know they're like, and I'm just like, well, look, it's not about that. You know, it's not about being big and being there. Um, they, these guys are all about their mission statement, and if you don't align with their mission statement, 
you know, you don't get into the enchanted forest unless you know um, the password, right? Like, <laughs> but you know, that's exactly it. And they hate true. that. They don't yeah. like it. And I've it's, had people express to me, well, why do you deserve to be there? And it's like, I don't have to justify my existence to you. Like if, if I'm a brand that's making headway or organically um, and people are really vibing, then um, you know, the new age of dentists is, is going to let me in. But if I was, if I was uh, a brand that wasn't being innovative and I, we weren't trying to do new things and we weren't pushing boundaries, it's likely that I'd be in the same position. So it's not, it's not a matter of, um, you know, I'm this big and I deserve to get in because I have money. I don't think that's the point. Um, I think the whole thing is about being disruptive and look, people, no matter how you look at it, love rooting for the underdog. Even if the underdog doesn't win, they love rooting for underdogs. And so <laughs> that is really cool, right? But the thing is, is yeah, like they, they want to support things that show real viability, um, but aren't necessarily as well known. And so being able to have that platform, hopefully we're talking again in 10 years from now and I'm sponsoring it over and over and over and, you know, you know, we be we we don't want to become the giants that uh, you know did what they did, but we want to, we want to keep growing with you. You know, it would be really cool to to keep going to this event and just seeing how it shapes change the shapes change over the years. You know. Oh no, I love that, and, and you know, we even got a call from I will say one of the top three companies in dentistry, and they were like, "Oh, we want to sponsor you. Come on, we're so and so. We want to buy it." Like, no, we're not really looking to have you there because you guys don't even understand it yet, and we don't want any brands there that don't appreciate the value of social media, and they're just trying to buy mm-hmm. a ticket to the uh, to the movie. Right. It's 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 a it's a total adoption, and and I think adoption of the culture around the social media movement dentistry, and and knowing the people and the faces, and not just bullying and buying your way in. And so, no, we're going to keep it that way, man. And we love seeing your success. We love seeing it, what, what you guys have done at Elementa. And of course, very much appreciate your support. But, you know, you guys brought it. You had the most disruptive booth. You had a, you look like a bathroom sink, you know, and I, and I love that. And so we're going to keep working with only the companies that really understand the value and, and can bring value to our audience. But, man, I applaud you for what you and your team are doing, really making a strong stance uh, to do better and, you know, improve the overall care and dentistry and the patient's uh, overall health, which I applaud. It's not easy. Doing the right thing is never usually the profitable or easy thing to do. So to to make an impact in dentistry like you're doing, it's a huge feat. And, and I applaud you guys for uh, accomplishing it. And I, I think you guys are going to do great. I, I do want to ask you one question, though. Sure. Being a disruptive uh, CEO, do you? Ha- <laughs> what's your best uh, slap on the hand or uh, bite back that you might have gotten from some of the big boys for for doing what you're doing? I mean, you got any season desist hanging on the walls trophies or no not, stories? Not yet. Um, you know, the thing is, I don't think they're going to realize what hit them until it hits them. Um, you know, it's one of those things too where people just assume that. Um, you know, we're not making strides or, you know, this isn't whatever, but, you know, as we start to get in, our, our strategy is very retail focused right now. Um, so when we start, when you start seeing us on shelves everywhere, I think that's when a lot of these big companies are going to say, oh shit, um, this idea is more than viable. It's everywhere. Um, everybody's talking about it. It's the next big thing in dentistry. Um, that's when you really kind of get their attention. 
Um, we have gotten noticed. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I mean, we have gotten calls from people I was shocked to get calls from. Um, <laughs> but believe it or not, a lot of people, even though they're in a counter, necessarily counter position, right, have actually been super supportive and have said, wow, like, I can't believe that you're doing this. Um, this is great. Uh, we wish you the best of luck. Um, so, I mean, the, 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 the gloves aren't off yet. But as time goes on, I think it will be more that way. I'm not going to lie and say that every interaction I've had has been merry-go-rounds, right? There have been people who have not been happy with the fact. Um, I have had people message me things saying, you need to stay out of the market. You don't know what you're doing. Stay out of the market. We don't want you in the market. And <laughs> I just said, you know what? I say to myself, well, if I'm not pissing somebody off, I'm not doing enough. So I just are, call that another day for me. So, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there have been there have been big brands that have come and messaged me directly and said, um, you, you know, get off the block, essentially. You know, all right. So let me ask you this: acquisition comes to your table today. <laughs> it, 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 let's say it's not a just crazy number, a reasonable offer. You taking it? Or are you staying on the journey and you keeping on the good fight? Uh, I wouldn't take an acquisition today. Um, I've just put, we put too much work into what we've done and, um, uh, I can't tell you whether or not we've been offered an acquisition, but, um, hint, hint, yes, but, uh, <laughs> but no, we've turned them down. And the point is, is it's not that I'll never ever consider selling the brand. Um, I'm, I'm not a fool. Right. But at the same right. time, uh, it's one of those things where it's like, no, we don't want to sell the brand. I mean, we, we built this up. This is our baby. Um, and we're not, we wouldn't just sell it to anybody, even if we did decide to do it. It, it would have to be the right situation. And the vision's got to live on, right? Um, but so, you won't say no to a nice licensing agreement. Uh, I mean, look, I mean, I'm human. Uh, I, do, I do dream of uh, you know being on a beach someday. But I think I'd be bored if I was on a beach all the time. But no, uh, no, uh, that's not, that's not our goal. Our goal was to disrupt dentistry, not to make a bunch of money. Um, money's great, but I think the thing that makes me wake up in the morning is being that disruptive element and saying, Hey, you know what? A lot of people told me I couldn't do it. I did it. Um, and so I don't want to, I don't want to just be the person that goes out and just sells out right away. Um, and you know what? It's tempting, right? I mean, when you get a big brand that comes along and says, Hey, like, you know, we're going to buy you out or whatever. Uh, you know, it's not like a laughing matter. I mean, you really do have to consider your options, but I, I think the one thing is, is we believe in the mission. We're not here to sell out. Um, and, you know, we're going to make sure that the vision, the vision matters more to us than the money. So that's why we even started in the first place. I mean, the, the thing is, is we all had the same vision and, and to me, building each other up like that over time has been so much more valuable than any money I'll receive from the brand, to be honest. I love it, man. A true entrepreneur. Well, to any entrepreneurs out there or dentists listening uh, that want to start their own venture, build their own product, do you have a single piece of advice you would give them? What's your one key tip that you got to have? <laughs> get a good team, but also get a good lawyer. Um, <laughs> and then uh, know how to protect your intellectual property, right? So if you have a really good idea, the first thing you should do is go to the patent office. You shouldn't tell anyone about it. Um, you know, we've, we've patented a lot of different things. Um, and, you know, you have to, you have to secure what's yours. And, and if you are um, 
I mean, I, I feel like the one thing too, and I say this a lot is like, don't be a solo artist. I think the one thing is, uh, it's easy to get arrogant and to think that you know more than you do. And you really don't, um, the team, the team composition is the most important component for success. You have to have a team behind you and they have to believe in it just as much as you believe in it. And I think that's ultimately, I'm going to keep saying that to the day that I die. Um, but if you don't have the team, you don't have the vision. If you don't have the vision, then it's over. So, um, yeah, I would say that. And, and like I said, you know, make sure that you really know what you're doing, do your research and spend the time. Don't just invest haphazardly into things that you don't understand. And, and frankly, invest in yourself. I don't really invest in a lot of things, um, but I'll tell you what I invest in, I invest in myself. And, and I feel like that's been a very good part of my success is, you know, I have to sit there and say, you know what, I could use this money to invest in Bitcoin. And I could, I could make a quick buck on this stock or whatever, but I put the money into the company. Um, and I put the money into research and development and things like that. So it's hard to, it's hard to wake up and say, yeah, you know what? Uh, my friend made a bunch of money doing this, but that's not what I believe in. And that's not my vision. So I have to put my money where my mouth is as well. It's not like I, you know, um, get a free pass on that. So you have to believe in it. And I think the belief, um, is, is more important than anything else. So I would close with that and say that's that's definitely the most important thing. No, I love that. I, I think that's so true is because if you don't if you're not drinking your own Kool-Aid, you'll never survive. Totally. Someone will find weakness and vulnerability and eat you alive and you'll yep. just tap out. So if you're in, you gotta go all in, just like we love uh, with the podcast. You know, it's it's all it's being a all in or don't even, you can't dabble. You can't dip your toe in the world of entrepreneurship. It is, <laughs> it's full. It's, you got to drink the Kool-Aid and, and, and Ryan, you've done a great job with it. You got a great team and, and I love the story. So thanks, thanks for spending the time with us. Thanks for getting us a, a better understanding of what you guys are doing there at Elementa. If they want to get in touch with you uh, or find out more about your products, uh, go ahead and give them the rundown real quick. So, um, you know, as a clinician, we do have a bunch of like, papers and white papers, but, um, our general account on Instagram is element at elemental oral care. Our website is elementalsilver.com. Um, and if you have any questions or you want to see what we're up to, um, I'm, uh, at Ryan Nolan DMD. I'm very active on Instagram. Um, and you can ask me questions about, you know, various things. Um, but yeah, we, we, we try to be as transparent as possible and, you know, answer everybody's questions. Um, and so, um, I think, you know, probably a good place to start would probably be there, um, the Elemental Oral Care Instagram or the website. And we are making changes to our website. We're trying to upgrade, upgrade and update everything. So bear with us. Everything takes time. But yeah, there's a lot of really good information online. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. I'm more than happy to talk to anybody who has questions. Awesome. Ryan, thanks again. Looking forward to seeing you in Scottsdale in, uh, in about a little less than 30 days. Hey, sounds good, man. Hey, thanks again. I really appreciate the opportunity and uh, I really look forward to DIA for the second time. All right. Thanks. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the All In Podcast. See you next time.